Hello and welcome to Church at the Bridge. Thank you so much for checking out our weekly sermon podcast. Today is week three of our caring series, When Life Gives You Lemons. And the title of today's message is The Way of Escape. We pray you enjoy today's word. All right. Well, good morning and welcome to Church at Home with Church at the Bridge. We are so glad that you've given us the opportunity to join you this morning, to share some inspiration, to point you back to the truth of God's word. Today I pray that your eyes are open, that your ears are ready to receive, and that you have a mind that is willing to partake of the goodness of God and and consider his truth. Today we want to simply bring you a word that will challenge you to consider what God says. For some of you, you may not know this, but our intent and our purpose and everything that we do is simply to point you back to God. We're not interested in giving you our opinion. We're not interested in telling you what we think. We want you to consider what the Word of God has to say. And I believe if you're joining us or if you're tuning in afterwards, if somebody shared this with you, that there's an appointment that God has with you and that God wants to speak to your life directly and encourage you and then build you up to press through, to press on, to make it in this day and age. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've been on a series entitled, When Life Gives You Lemons. When Life Gives You Lemons. Now, if I asked you to finish that sentence, when life gives you lemons, most of you would respond, make lemonade. I mean, we've all heard the saying, and if you haven't, catch up with the times. But while most people are familiar with that phrase, not many today are as familiar with its meaning and its power. You know, one of the things that I've been saying over the last two weeks is this, is simply that how you respond to life in times of difficulty determines the difficulty in your situation. How you respond to life in times of difficulty determines the difficulty in your situation. Look, it's no, it's no uh, surprise that we all encounter challenges in life, that we all go through circumstances. But it's important for us to understand that no matter what the circumstance is, we still have a choice in how we respond. And that choice really does make a difference. Reminds me of a story I heard once. I'll just read it to you. It says that there was once a young man who went skating too early in the winter season. And all of a sudden that afternoon, loud cries for help began to echo among the bleak hills that surrounded the skating pond. A farmer who was warming his feet by his fireplace, heard the shouts and yells. And he ran to the pond at breakneck speed. And he saw a large black hole in the ice. And a pale young fellow with chattering teeth as he shivered in the cold, deep water. The farmer laid a board on the thin ice and crawled out onto the edge of the hole. And then extending his hand, he said, Here, come over this way, and I'll lift you out. Grab a hold of this. And he said, no, I can't swim. He was impatient. He was anxious. He was afraid. And he says, throw a rope to me. Hurry up. It's cold in here. And the farmer yelled back, I don't have a rope. And he added angrily, well, if you can't swim, it sort of seemed like you're good at floating in there. And the young man replied, floating? What do you mean floating? It's eight feet deep in here, and I'm standing on the guy who broke the ice. Now, I'll tell you why I share that story with you this morning as we get started here. It's because if you think about this story, it's very telling of how many of us respond when confronted with adversity. 
Look, the truth is that no one wants difficulty. No one wants heartache. No one uh, starts off searching for calamity in life. But when these circumstances come, and let's be honest with ourselves, they do. When these circumstances come into our lives, everyone wants a way out. Everyone wants a way out. And unfortunately, when faced with adversity, most people have the tendency to seek a way out at the expense of people, with a disregard, with a disregard for what's right, and without a care for the consequences and the impacts that it leaves in a trail in our lives. What we call the best way out often turns out to be not the way God wants us to, to, to find a way out. And so today, I want to talk to you about the way of escape. The way of escape. If you're like me, you know what it's like to be in a pickle and fight to get out of it. On your own terms at that. I can tell you that, as for me, I've suffered with that approach. And I think that for many of us, we can identify with that where we've found ourselves a difficulty and we've just resorted to what we've felt, to what we've been told, to what, we, uh, what, what people's opinions are, to what, where our feelings carry us. And the truth is that while it provides a way out, it's not God's way out. It never truly leads to the best results. See, there are marriages today that have ended because for some, the way out has been to be right instead of being one. For some, there are bridges of opportunity that have been burned, and it's because the way out has been to protect your best interest in mind instead of accounting for God's ability to show you a better way. For some, there are, there's this, this, there are destructive mindsets, there's cyclical experiences that you might be encountering, you might be undergoing, maybe you're reaping the results and you're living in dysfunction right now at this moment. But it's because for some, the way out has been not to trust God, but to trust in what you've been taught and what you've been told. And see, no matter where you are today, no matter where you find yourself, there is good news. God has a better way. It's called the way of escape. Listen to what the scriptures say in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 through 13. It says, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, in context, it's important to understand that these verses allude to the experiences of the people of Israel. If you read just a couple of verses before that, what you'll see is that they had seen God's mighty hand at work as he delivered them from crushing oppression from the people of Egypt. And it goes on to even detail how he brought them through desert lands and he provided for them and he covered them and he made a way for them. But what we see in 1 Corinthians 10 is that despite this repeated show of strength by God on their behalf, the Israelites succumbed to various things that enticed their faith, that drew their attention, 
that pulled at their devotion and led them away from a dependence upon God. And thus many of them experienced unintended consequences that God never had in store for them. And so when we read 1 Corinthians 10 verses 12 through 13, we have to understand that what we're seeing is that we are no different than the people of Israel. This is what the scripture is getting at. Like them, you and I, we too have, been, uh, have experienced a great deliverance by the hand of God. We too have the provision of God. We too have his protection. And we too have a place of promise that he's leading us towards, that he's enlightening our eyes to see. But you see, these people in Israel, and hey, if the shoe fits, don't wear it. I encourage you to change it. These people were pressed on every side. They experienced hunger. They endured thirst. They faced various challenges from without, from many enemies, and even from within. And in the face of all their adversities, they often missed what they needed to successfully make it. They did not see that God had a better way. I want to encourage you to take a moment to self-reflect. And I want you to consider how you approach adversity. How you go about seeking a way out. Are you finagling your own circumstances? Are you scheming and plotting? Are you striving and stressing? Are you pushing and pulling? Are you knocking things down out the way to make a way out for yourself? Maybe you find yourself in a place of difficulty right now. Maybe you're enduring some loss. Maybe you have this sense of despair. Maybe you don't. The truth is that we all face adversity. But we must consider which is the way that we follow when we're seeking a way out. See, when life gives you lemons and everything that comes with it is pressing upon you from every side, you can make it. Because God has provided what you need to get to the other side. I want to encourage you this morning by simply saying this to you that you don't have to live in bitterness. Because God has something better for you. I'm going to say that again. And I, I pray that you personalize this. You don't have to live in bitterness. Because God has something better for you. If you believe that, tell yourself that. Tell someone that. God has something better for me. And so the thing is, to get there, you and I have to seek to know God and trust the path that he shows us in the face of life's adversities. Now, I know that for some of us, that's a bit challenging. Because when, we, when it comes to adversities and how we approach them, for some of us, we don't necessarily see God in the midst of that. For some of us, we are moved by our circumstances. We're, we're racked with emotions. We're driven by whatever uh, way we think we can make things work out. But the truth is that God wants you to know his way. His way. In the book of Acts, it provides us the history of the early church and how they pioneered through times of great difficulty and even thrived. And in it, we have record of a trying time in the life of a man named Paul and his friend Silas. 
These men were on a mission. These guys were driven. They were commissioned to travel the world that existed outside of Jerusalem for the purpose of preaching the gospel to a people that many in the nation of Israel did not believe had any right or should have access to a relationship with God. And so these guys went about making salvation known and the goodness of God known to the outside world, what is referred to as the Gentiles. And they preached Jesus wherever they went. And these men personally witnessed the power of the gospel message as it brought enlightenment wherever they went. Listen, they saw healing take place in the lives of countless people. They, they encountered radical change in the lives of many. And once during one of their missionary journeys through a Roman province known as Philippi, they encountered a woman to whom they brought a great deliverance. Now listen closely. It came at a great personal cost. As a result, Paul and Silas had to remain steadfast in their devotion and in their dependence upon God, and it brought about a great escape. Let's turn our Bibles to Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 34. And starting at verse 16, it says, Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. And she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept us up for many days. And finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. And it's very possible for some of us with kind of starting to think right now, well, wait, that doesn't make sense. She was declaring that these guys were servants of God and that they were proclaiming a way of salvation. Stick with that thought for a moment because we're going back to that. Verse 19, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. And the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Verse 27. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew a sword and he was about to kill himself. 
because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. And the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he broke them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? See, this guy was looking for a way out. Verse 31, and they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And then immediately he and all of his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. There's a lot happening here in these verses. And as we see, Paul and Silas were doing nothing wrong at the onset of, of, of this account. They were on their way to the place of prayer, the scriptures tell us. They were worshiping God. They were bringing hope. They were practicing their faith. And in the midst of all this, they encounter a woman who over the course of days repeatedly declared that they were servants of God and that they were proclaiming the way of salvation. Now, while that sounds noble and admirable and even good, the word shout there in the original language refers to a Greek word that depicts a cry that's done in a way that's mocking. It also portrays a, way, a cry of vengeance. And so what we see here is that this woman wasn't applauding Jesus at all. This woman was not uh, ac acknowledging or advocating for the message that Paul and Silas brought. If anything, what she was doing was berating them. She was degrading them. She was putting them down. She was mocking them. But what we see in the scriptures is that it wasn't actually her. See, eventually Paul discerns that it is a demon and he casts, he casts it out. And what's interesting is that Paul and Silas were busy only doing good. So why did it go so bad for them? Why did they find themselves in the circumstances that we just read about? Which leads me to my first point that I want us all to consider. That just because you are doing what is good doesn't exempt you from bad outcomes. Listen, they weren't even thrown into prison for delivering this girl from a demonic oppression. Instead, they were, they were thrown into prison for advocating faith in Christ. The scripture says that when these men that owned this slave girl brought them before the authorities, that they said that Paul and Silas were advocating customs that were foreign to the Romans. What the scripture is saying there is that what they were preaching and professing, what they were declaring was against what they believed in those days. For Romans, they looked to Caesar, their emperor, as God himself. And so what they were basically saying is these guys are trying to turn us from our devotion and our love for Caesar. And thus, they were arrested. Now, i got to ask you a question. Have you ever found yourself saying this to yourself? Why is this happening to me? You ever been there? Why is this happening to me? I mean, I'm doing what's good. I'm doing what's right. I love God. God's 
God's word gives me great promises. God is with me. God's protection is over me. So why, why, why me? Why am I going through this? And the question in and of itself reveals something about us. If you've been there. It reveals that we believe that we believe that because we're followers of Jesus Christ, that we are exempt from life's lemons. And that is untrue. Now, I'm going to tell you why I share that with you. Let's read James chapter 5, verse 17. Uh, it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, with the same physical, mental, and spiritual limitations and shortcomings. And he prayed intensely for it not to rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Now, you got to understand something. This is the prophet Elijah. In Old Testament times, this was God's go-to guy among the people of Israel. This was the guy that God used to declare truth, to bring a warning, to lead the people, to point them back to himself. So this was a big deal. Elijah was a big deal. But what the Bible tells us is that despite the fact that Elijah was this great man used by God, called by God, like you today, he still faced the same physical, mental, and spiritual limitations and shortcomings that we all do. See, the sooner we understand this, the better we'll be. Because we'll stop setting ourselves up for disappointment in God that has nothing to do with God to begin with. I want you to consider something here. That if you find yourself disappointed in God, you're missing the bigger picture. You're putting faith in the fact that you somehow believe that lemons won't come your way. That you shouldn't be challenged. And the truth is that we will all face challenges in life. And the good news is that God gives us truth that equips us and prepares us and sustains us and emboldens us to face life's challenges. See, when you are pressed as life gives you lemons, you can find lemonade in the midst of your difficulties. See, Elijah experienced many highs and lows in life. He experienced many great uh, uh, outcomes in his walk with God. But he still had limitations. He too faced great adversities in life that led him to shortcomings and to even question God. And yet he overcame. But why? It's because Elijah knew the way of escape. That doesn't mean that he didn't lose sight of it at times. But he always knew how to get back to center. And so when we understand this, we can begin the process of moving past the lemons of life and go from bitter to better so we can walk in the sweet spot of life. Paul and Silas were in a bad predicament. Listen, these guys weren't just in jail. They were awaiting a rough road ahead of them. You might not know this. But when the Bible talks about the prison that they were in, it's specific to a really bad situation. 
And so listen, the Bible says that these guys were stripped of their clothes and they were flogged. They were beaten. And then the Bible says they were placed in the inner cell. And so Roman prisons had three compartments. The first was what was known as the communiora. And this place was, it was basically house arrest. You had light, you had fresh air, you had room to move around. The second compartment in a Roman prison was what was known as the interiora. It's a place where you were shut off by strong iron bars and locks. So you were in a cell. And the third place was what is known as Tule Nuim. And this was a dungeon where you were placed to die or await a certain execution. In other words, this was maximum security. This was top security. In this particular place, your feet were placed in stocks, which were made of a heavy piece of wood. And as your feet were placed there, uh, they were stretched in such a way that was meant to cause you agonizing and consistent pain. I'll tell you why I share that with you. Because when the Bible talks about they were thrown into the inner cell, it uses the word tulenuim, which means this. These guys were in a bad predicament. They were facing death and they were under torture. And yet, what's interesting is this. That the Bible says that while they're in this bad situation, Paul and Silas praise. Think about this. They are in a worse situation than any of us right now. I know for some of us, you might be enduring some hardship. Maybe you've lost some income. Maybe things aren't the way you'd like them to be in your home. Maybe your marriage is suffering. Maybe you're questioning God. You're believing God. You're standing in faith. But everything that's going on around you isn't making sense. See, Paul and Silas were in that same predicament. They were in lack. There was no light there. They were in the dark. They were beaten. They were in pain. They were suffering. And the only outcome that appeared to be what they could expect was a death. And yet in the midst of it, the scripture says... That they praised. They praised. Let me tell you something when you're facing lemons in life. Praise provides a way of escape in the face of your problems. I'm going to say that again. Praise provides a way of escape in the face of your problems. Now, wh whoever you are and whatever you're going through, I want you to tell yourself, I have a way of escape. It's called praise. Listen to Psalm 121, verses 1 through 8. It says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. Now, somebody needs to tell that to themselves. The Lord watches over me. Listen, the Lord watches over you. 
The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going. Listen closely. Both now and forevermore. Hmm. The psalmist here says, I will lift up my eyes. He says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. And then he poses a question, not as if he's questioning it for himself, but it's one for reflection. He says, where does my help come from? He says, my help comes from the Lord. Listen, Paul and Silas did not deny their problems. They had them. But they did acknowledge God with their praise. And in the midst of your problems, you have an opportunity to lift up and rise in the midst of your situation by your praise. See, when you're at your lowest point in life, you have to look higher. I'm going to say that again. When you're at your lowest point in life, you have to look higher. The psalmist says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Listen, in the midst of problems, you know what we're doing? We're looking low. And God's saying, you need to raise, you need to elevate your vision. You need to get a greater perspective. You've got to push past what you see in the natural and see that there is still a God providing you shade, that there's still a God working for you, that there's still a God whose plan is sure and secure, that there's still a God who's mighty and strong, who's upholding you with his righteous right hand, that there's still a God who loves you and will never leave you nor forsake you. See, when the psalmist says, I will praise the Lord, right, when I'm talking about praising God and how it provides a way of escape uh, out of your problems, I'm not talking about singing songs or praying. We're not talking about uh, just raising our hands. We're not talking about, uh, you know, speaking and declaring some scripture regurgitating something. I'm talking about praise is the power of vision to see God's mighty hand and his promise for deliverance and to focus upon his faithfulness in the midst of your situation. It's an active response that helps you get back up. See, praise is powerful. But praise is powerful because it gives you the ability to acknowledge and recognize God in the midst of dire circumstances. And so, for some of you, you might notice in your Bibles that it calls this psalm a psalm or a song of ascent. Let me tell you why that's important. Because it literally means that this song, this psalm that we have, right, is the climax of a song. The thing about it is, it's, it's kind of like when you listen to your favorite tune, and then it gets to that point where it builds, and you get all emotional, and you begin to cry, right, or you begin to, it takes you somewhere, your, your, your feelings get all involved in it, and, and it does something for you. 
This song, this psalm is a climax, is what the, what the Bible's revealing here. When, it call, when it's called the song of ascent, it's saying this is the climax, this is the high point. And what it literally means is that this song is, the, the, it, it rises, it, it helps us rise to the point of a great emphasis. It places an emphasis on the fact that we can rise to a great elevation of restful confidence. Why? Because we look to where our help comes from. It comes from the Lord. Now I want to just take a moment right now for you to consider those words. Your help comes from the Lord. It only comes from the Lord. Your help does not come from your paycheck. Your help does not come by the people that you keep around you. They might add to your life, but help, help comes from God, the maker of heaven and earth. He's near and dear and close to you. And what I want you to see is that this psalm gives us perspective in the midst of life's lemons. What it really shows us is that when you find yourself down in life, you're really up. I'm going to say that again. When you're down in life, you're really up. Because God is with you. Because God cannot fail you. He cannot. It is inconsistent with his nature to fail. Now, I just heard somebody think this through the airwaves. Well, how come God hasn't come through for me? I I implore you to consider this. You're looking at God from lenses that are too small. You're limiting God to what you think the solution is. And God's saying, I need you to look higher. I need you to look to me and me only. Don't approach God in the midst of life's lemons with this perspective. Where you pray according to the solution that you think is supposed to come about. You know what we're doing in those circumstances? We're limiting God. Because we're saying, God, I'm coming to you. But God, I'm coming to you so that you can work it out this way. And that the roles are reversed there. We're talking to God. But we're telling God how it's supposed to work. See, that's not the way out. That's a surefire recipe for disaster. You're limiting what God wants to do. And so like the psalmist, you and I must trust that God watches over us, that he covers us, and that he keeps you from all harm now and forevermore. You know, last week I found myself in a, in a situation that I wasn't expecting. As I was preaching last Sunday's sermon, I was talking to myself. I was living and encouraging myself. And I was drawing strength from the very word that I was ministering. I'll tell you why. Because last week, early one morning, I got a call. And I'm a heavy sleeper, so I didn't, I didn't, you know, I was asleep. And my wife happened to hear my phone buzzing. And my wife 
uh, woke me up, and she tells me, "Hun, your phone is going off. And she picks up my phone, and she says, your sister's calling you. Now, the thing about it is that I, you know, my, my sister doesn't usually call me at 5.30 in the morning. And that morning, my sister calls me and tells me that she just found my nephew had passed away. It was something that I didn't anticipate. It was something that took me completely by surprise. It was something that left me in shock. And in the midst of that, as I'm talking to my sister, and she's grieving, and she's sobbing, and everything is swirling in my head and in my feelings and everything else, I found myself living through this portion of Scripture. God, this doesn't make sense. God, I don't like what I'm seeing. I don't know why this is happening. But I will tell you what I did do. I had to look higher. I had to lift my eyes to my strong tower, to my rock, to my fortress. I had to look above the circumstances where I realized that God's wings were covering me, that God's embrace was holding me, and not just me, but my family. I ended up going to my family, and I remember the Lord saying to me as I'm traveling down there, just listen. Just listen. Just listen. And I did a lot less talking and a lot more listening. But in the midst of their hurt, in the midst of our, of our loss, what I heard was the reassuring word of God. And God gave me great opportunity to minister to them with love, to point them to truth. And even as I officiated my own nephew's funeral and burial in the midst of the hurt God brought hope you know one thing that brought me great reassurance was this because you know in the midst of loss you kind of miss a lot of details and one of the things that greatly ministered to me and even to my family was this that Three months prior to this untimely loss that we just endured, my nephew began to ask questions. My nephew began to look above his circumstances. He began to look above his challenges. And he began to turn to God. nephew came to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And everything began to turn around in his life. You know, that, that question rose up in me, but why this? You know, I can't answer why, but I do know what. God 
brought great deliverance to his life. And even now, God continues to minister to me, minister to my family, minister strength. And day by day, we're stronger. Day by day, we're pressing forward. And every time that I hear my, 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 my sister's voice, and every time I, I talk with my family, what I see is strength rising up. Why? Because we're no longer looking to the problem. We're looking to the one who sits on high, the God of all heaven and earth. My friends, I want to encourage you to praise in the midst of your problem because your praise has the power to propel you beyond the problem. There's something great that God is doing in you right now. The Bible says that as Paul and Silas praised, that a violent earthquake shook the foundations of the earth, and that all of a sudden, all the prison cells in this place of captivity opened. And all the chains of everyone there came loose. The jailer's response was to attempt to kill himself because he knew what this meant for his life. You see, back in those days, if you were the jailer, you were responsible to make sure that not one prisoner broke free. But what I want you to see is this, that in the midst of this dire circumstance, while the jailer's about to kill himself, God's purposes still had prevailing power. The Bible says that at that moment, Paul stopped him and told him, stop, cease from embedding your sword in yourself. We're all here. In other words, here's what the scripture is revealing, that no one who was in chains even considered leaving. And we have to wonder why. I don't know about you, but if I was one of those people there with Paul and Silas in this dungeon facing a sure execution I'm pretty sure that like me, you'd be running out of there, but they didn't and there's a reason why see, despite the fact that everyone there was free from their chains they knew that there was a greater freedom in God because they saw what God did on behalf of Paul and Silas in the midst of their problem. They saw that what they believed in was greater than the circumstances. See, this jailer falls at the knees, on his knees, at the feet of Paul and Silas. And the Bible says that he asked them, what must I do to be saved? You know what he's saying there? What must I do to be made whole? It's the Greek word sozo. He says, what must I do to be healed? What must I do to be rescued from destruction? What must I do to be delivered from the penalties? He's saying, what must I do to access what God has made available to you? And at that moment, the Bible says that Paul declares to him, Jesus Christ. And this man and his entire household find a way of escape. Not just from a sword, but from a life without the purposes and the plans of God. 
my friends, I want you to consider something. That your way of escape is the path to freedom for others. I'm going to say that again. Your way of escape is the path to freedom for others. What God did that night for Paul and Silas wasn't just for their relief. Listen, I get it. When we're in problems, when life is throwing lemons your way, any one of us is thinking about ourselves first. They get this. There was a greater purpose in the midst of the problem. God wanted to make a way for the people around Paul and Silas. And in the midst of your pain, I want you to see that God always paves a way for you, but also for the people in need around you. You know, how you process in the midst of pain is not just beneficial for you. It's a testimony to others. Prior to this moment, we see that Paul and Silas were worshiping God. What they didn't realize was that everyone there was watching and listening. And right now, how you're responding in the midst of life's challenges, just know this, somebody's watching and listening. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. It says, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. I'm going to say that again because you need to see what God's saying to you. That you can always be thankful to God because he, he is always leading us in triumph. You might feel down, but you're really up. And watch what it goes on to say. It says, and through us, he diffuses the, the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. See, how you respond and what you believe isn't just a fragrance to you and to believers. It's also benefiting and bringing something sweet into the lives of those that don't know a loving God. And so, prior to this moment, Paul states that he was in a place of unrest. In verse 13, he says that he was uneasy because he could not find Titus. He had this concern for Titus's well-being and where he was. But what we see is that regardless of this concern and this worry, Paul had a bigger picture in mind. He understood that God was leading him in triumph and thus always providing a way for the many people around him. I want to encourage you to expand your vision in the midst of life's problems. God's not just working for you. He's also working through you for the benefit of others. As we close here today, I leave you with Isaiah 61, verse 1. Jesus once quoted these scriptures. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives 
and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And while this scripture refers to the ministry and anointing that was upon Jesus, you and I must understand that this is the same anointing that is now upon you. The scriptures say that as Jesus is, so are you in this world. You have the same anointing because you carry the title of son and daughter. The scripture says that you are seated in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. You got to see that what this is revealing is that what's true of Jesus is true of you. And because that is true, the same results that Jesus had are the same results that you can expect and are meant to come about into the lives of those among you. And so listen closely because you must personalize what this word says about Jesus in your own life. The spirit of the Lord God is upon you. Because the Lord has anointed you to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent you to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to those who are captive, and to open prison doors to those who are bound. See, God has provided a way of escape for you, and He's also revealing a way of escape for others in the face of life's adversities there's a way that God has paved for you look to God and you'll find that way of escape that you'll also bring liberty to those hey friends and family thanks again so much for checking out our weekly sermon podcast we pray that God spoke to you directly through this message and if he did we want to know Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram. You can even give us a call at the office to let us know how God spoke to you. Don't forget to also share this message with a friend, a co-worker. Share it on your social media stories. You never know who in your life may be blessed by this word. Thank you again for checking out our weekly sermon podcast, and we'll see you next week.